Over the weekend, we once again saw just how out of touch the NBA is with reality and with sports fans themselves. I speak for the three of us here when I say, as sports fans, the NBA All-Star Game and the NBA All-Star Weekend does not live up to the hype that it once did before. We had saw the likes of Kobe Bryant, might I say, really give it his all out there. I mean, I can't remember a single All-Star Game where I didn't see Kobe Bryant being the hardest working athlete on that floor, just as if it was an NBA Finals game. But now the NBA, it's just not like that anymore. And so we saw just once again, like I said, how out of touch they are when it comes to their viewers and really what they want and what they desire. So we're going to take a deep dive into this NBA All-Star Game weekend as we dissect everything that went wrong and what could be better as well as, well, the rest of this year and how the NBA uh, schedule is structured. I'm your host, Matthew Raritan, and this is Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. What's happening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. And guys, I know this may come as a shock, a surprise to you, actually, as a matter of fact, but there was an NBA All-Star game this last week, and you may not have even noticed. You might have just found out right now because I am telling you that there was an NBA All-Star game this last weekend because, well, that's pretty much what it is now is that we don't even really hear about it, the the leading up events to it, um, whereas before you had always known beforehand because you wanted to know who was going to be in the dunk competition or who was going to be in the three-point competition, whatever your uh, favorite event might have been that week and was. You always knew it was coming up, but now it's like, did you even really know? So you probably didn't, but if you did, that's awesome, but it's just that's kind of how the cookie crumbles right now with the NBA All-Star Game as well. Uh, it's kind of yesterday's news or, wow, well, all right, that's kind of irrelevant, but uh, cool. All right, who won? Okay, so, all right, that was cool. But that's pretty much what happened this weekend, if you didn't know, in a, in a nutshell. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce my co-host here. I'm going to start out with David Street. What's up, everybody? And we've got Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. Well, you guys probably know just just barely that there was an All Star game this weekend. Um, but if you didn't know, uh, the East won, and it was a pretty low scoring game, two hundred eleven to one eighty six. I mean, I wish they would have had a little bit more effort to put up some points, but eh, now that is exactly what they did. It was all offense, as it being one of the highest scoring all-star games of all time. I mean, 211 points in a game. I mean, that's just something you don't see at all. But uh, I'm kind of interested to know, did any of you guys watch the all-star game? <laughs> no. I, I was 
rather watch golf. Well, that's you would rather watch golf actually probably a lot, Ed. So that's not saying much. And let me and let me tell you, okay, like I'm not I'm not saying that there was ever a time when I look forward to the all game in great anticipation but there were times before when i remember oh it's the all-star game i'm gonna i'm gonna tune in just you know just see how the teams are doing but i had absolutely zero desire no interest whatsoever and truthfully guys i have not had any interest in the nba all-star game in like i don't know four or five maybe six years and something that you mentioned in the opening matthew is you wanted to see who the stars were well I grew up watching the NBA All-Star game to see who the next guy was going to be. There was always a passing of the torch, so to speak, when it came to the All-Star game. And in this version of it, there isn't much of a, a passing of the torch or, hey, this guy wants to play this guy one-on-one and let the world see it. Mm-hmm. it you know, I tried to tune into it. It looked like a music video and a basketball game kind of broke out. Yeah. Yeah. And not to kind of go off your point here, Ed, uh, or go against it, but you're absolutely right. I will agree with like the passing of the torch. But uh, this time around, I did actually notice that there kind of was a passing of the torch, not from one specific player to another. But I will say that uh, with it being played in Indiana, we – we got to see actually uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who is becoming an up and coming rising star in the NBA. And it seemed like this weekend was actually all, really all about him. Uh, and he deserves it. I will say that he, he definitely seems like a, a great talent. I know of him because, well, he was drafted by my Kings. Uh, so to see what he's doing in Indiana is great. But uh, I totally agree, Ed, whereas before you could probably sit there and watch of, who's going to be this up-and-coming star in the making that probably won't even get mentioned in the All-Star game at all. Mm-hmm. And you also no. talk about – sorry, Ed, go, go ahead. No, uh, I've got a follow-up. Go ahead. Yeah, and you, you talk about what was the score, 211 to 186 or something like that. Um, listen – I don't need to watch the All-Star game to know that obviously there was no defense and this was this was not a case of one team just making a crap ton of contested shots and 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 banking on them. I don't need to watch the game to know that that players on on the defensive side if we can if we can even call it that the defensive side are just standing there and just taking it, not doing anything. And and a <laughs> right exactly like that at ooh and listen, in a way, I sort of understand because you kind of have to give more effort when you're playing defense versus, you know, uh, playing offense. And you're a player, and you realize the All-Star game is ultimately meaningless. So why would you risk injury in a game that doesn't that doesn't mean a lot? Like, why am I going to put my body on the line to play defense and possibly maybe get in, get injured? during a game that has no bearing on the regular season, no bearing on the playoff format or anything like that. It really feels like the all-star game is more about everything around the all-star game and not the game itself. You know, because with that music video mentality that you saw with, you know, all the banners and the lights and the smoke show and the, 
the announcements and the half hour of, hey, look at this social <laughs> initiative that, you know, we're backing as a league and, you know, we're going to go six different ways and it's all about this specific point of view that you need to follow if you're going to follow the NBA. You know, and by the end of it, Adam, even Adam Silver is like, so you, you scored a lot of points. Here's your MVP trophy. <laughs> he, I mean, he doesn't show a whole lot of emotion regardless. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed about him, but I agree. It's just it, how can he really be happy? I'll tell you what, if you're, you have ADD or ADHD, that was not the event to watch because it was all over the place. Like Ed just explained it. It's like, pay attention here. No, actually pay attention here. Well, actually we're going to have you pay attention here. It just is like, all right, well, what, what the heck's going on? But you know, Ed, Ed was, was blessed to be able to watch, of course, growing up, you know, the, the dunk competitions, you got the human highlight rail, Dominic Wilkins and Michael Jordan, Spud Webb. I mean, he got to watch all that growing up, whereas me and David, we've, of course, seen the highlights. We've got YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we also, though, got ours as well, watching Vince Carter uh, do his 360 windmill duck. That's probably one of the most mm -hmm. interesting dunks there is in the dunk competition. Uh, to even as of recent, I say as of recent, it's been several years now, but Aaron Gordon and uh, Zach Levine battle it out. I mean, that that was awesome to see because growing up, watching the dunk competition was the highlight of the weekend. It really was. And, and then with Steph Curry and his, you know, surgeons in the NBA, it, the three-point competition became such a big deal where it was before, but unfortunately when it was so big before, well, it was also during when the dunk competition was even bigger. So yeah. Larry Bird winning the three-point contest, although was you saw a big star win it, well, right after that event happened, Michael Jordan dunked from the free throw line. So it's like you're, you're – it, it, it was always overshadowed, but now lately you've seen some of them go back and forth, but you haven't really seen that in the last couple years, just how it used to be. A three-point contest, you're not going to get hurt doing that, um, whereas on the dunk competition, that's why you don't see any of the big stars do it anymore because, well, they could get hurt. So is there uh, speaking of three-point, is there actually going to be a three-point contest between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu? Did it actually happen? Is it going to happen? Because I, because that's been kind of talked about in in the social media circles. It did indeed happen. It happened wow. right after hey. the three-point contest itself. I mean, Ed, do you want to talk about it? Well, I was uh, going to follow up on your point, Matthew, about the three-point competition. When this whole All-Star Weekend thing started, just to kind of give a background to it, the three-point line was in addition to the NBA floor in the early 80s. It was not, you know, a part of the offense because offense at that time was within 20 feet. So the three-point competition was about sharpshooters. They were the three-point shooters were specialists. They were not every player on the floor, including your center. You know, <clears throat> so that's what the three-point competition was there to highlight. Now it's just whoever's on the roster, hey, you go and you go and you go. And that, that's all it is. 
I remember watching Dale Curry, you know, Steph's dad, compete in the three-point competition as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's how far back this goes. Now, as it is now, because everybody can do it, it's not special anymore, in my opinion. So that's why it becomes so watered down. If they want to, you know, move that, move the line back even further and create a different scoring system for those super long range shooters, I'm all for it. But the way that the three point line is now, everybody shoots it. So it's not special whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I did watch the Saturday, uh, some of the Saturday portion of it, actually the three point contest. I did watch that. And of course the, the Steph Curry uh, versus Sabrina Oscu matchup, which I'll talk about to answer David's question, but you know, with it being in Indiana, you could tell it, it kind of felt a little bit forced because you have Reggie Miller, who's part of TNT uh, uh, crew and Reggie Miller is one of the greatest three point shooters of all time. And you could tell they were really trying to make it such a big deal, which I get why they would want to do that. But it just felt a little forced and it, it didn't really live up to the expectation that you expected. And then after that happened, then you did have the Steph for Sabrina matchup. And in the end, Steph did win barely. Uh, uh, so it was kind of just a publicity stunt, if you want to call it. Uh, Sabrina is is a baller. I will I will say that she she's an incredible talent uh, from her days back at Oregon and where she is now. Uh, I mean, I give her props. I mean, she was shooting. I want to say from the three point line, but she was using an NBA or WNBA ball. Um, but regardless, uh, she still actually looked pretty darn good out there. But uh, Steph couldn't lose to that. <laughs> Yeah, and when you're talking about WNBA players and the WNBA game, we've we've all listened to Tim Brando himself uh, talk about how the women's game is what the true idea of the game was by uh, Dr. Naismith when it was invented. The guys becoming so much more athletic has played above that. So having Steph and Ionuska uh, shooting from the same range, I don't think was should have been allowed in some way because yeah. if you're extending how far she has to shoot, why are you not extending how far Steph has to shoot? There's there's something to be said about that. And I if they do that again, I think that should be taken into account. Yeah. Steph will probably still win. I mean, that guy could shoot from the parking lot. That's just, that's his range. But, but I totally get what you're saying, Ed. But, Ed, I, I want to ask you this question. I'll ask David as well. But why do you think it was such a dud? And why do you think it continues to be a dud? Uh, I mean, financial reasons, incentives. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Part of it is the, is the players looking out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And both financially and physically. So earlier in this year, they had an in-season tournament that every team participated in during the season in which load management has become a major conversation. I don't understand how that is a thing. 
But one thing you saw with the in-season tournament is there was financial reward for playing deeper into that tournament than what they get out of going to the All-Star game. I'm sure it's a nice little bonus, but each player uh, winning the tournament each received half a million just for being there. You know, when you're talking about 15 guys on a roster, you know, that's a little extra change in your pocket. And it's the lesser guys, not the all-stars that are getting the max contract guys. Those guys, they don't care about the 500K. It's those guys down at the end of the bench that want to perform in those uh, tournament games to get the extra uh, bonus that is being laid up for them. The runners up in the, in the tournament got 200 K, you know, each player of them and each uh, player in the, that lost in the quarterfinals each got 50 K when you're talking minimum contracts and you're around these max contract guys, you feel a little inferior financially. So you're looking for any way to boost yourself, you know, financially to get, get and do those things that those upper end guys in your locker room are doing. So you're on a more even playing field. So, or playing court, I should say. Yeah. Um, I mean, watch your language. <laughs> I mean, in, in addition to what Ed said, I think it also just points to the fact that nobody wants to watch a glorified exhibition match where no defense is played. You know, I know offense is always talked about as being uh, fun, but when you're when there's literally no defense, I mean, no one's going to be interested. And then here's a question that I think I, I think mo- I think more and more people should be asking this, and that is, why the hell do we even have an All Star game in the first place? And not just for basketball, for all the sports. Okay, the top players clearly don't care about it uh, that much. They have no bearing on on the regular season. And you know, I always laugh when people are like, "Well, ultimately, it's for the fans." Oh, really? It's for it's for the fans? People, you have an entire 82-game season, okay, to to watch or listen and to build up your fandom that way. And listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you have to watch or listen to every single game of your team. Like I can tell you that for for the teams that I root for, I don't watch or listen to all the games. It's an 82-game game season, right? But but like why do you need one one game that again, has no bearing, no bearing on, on, on how the playoffs are, are decided. Okay. Why do you need that game to build up your fandom? It, it's just, and it was like that with Nikita Kutrov when he clearly didn't take the all-star game seriously. And people were like, Oh, doesn't he know it's for the fans? Like what a freaking jerk, uh, buddy. I can tell you as a lightning fan. Okay. I don't give two shits that Nikita Kutrov didn't try during the all-star game. All I care about is that he leads my team to the playoffs. I don't care about the All-Star game at all. So you can go cry me a river. Well, what it's all it's going to take is for the fans of a team, their star player in the All-Star game gets hurt, and they're like, well, why the heck did you try so hard? It was just an All-Star game. Now our season's ruined. So it's like it, – and, and I want to bring up Ed's point on the load management because this is so – excuse my language, ass backwards with how they did things because you have the new load management rules that the NBA has enforced on not allowing your star players to sit because of fans. 
Um, and then you have this in-season tournament that literally means nothing, has no implications. It's just a little, here's a consolation prize. You can hang a banner if you up, up there if you want, but it's not a real championship. And then you have the all-star game, and none of them have any bearings on it whatsoever. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me on really what they're getting at. Yes, watching the in-season tournament, you kind of saw that feeling of competitive uh wise that we would see like in the MLB all-star game, especially when it uh, had it, when it did matter if the AL or the NL won on who would be home field advantage in the world series, you saw that competitive side a little bit in the in season tournament, but in the M didn't really matter. Uh, it, 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 it just doesn't with the regular season and going into the playoffs. So, I mean, I mean, yes, you have a regular season win under your belt because those, those do count towards your wins, but uh, in the end, you're, it's not going to matter when it comes to the playoffs. Let me, yeah, let me ask you this and forgive me if I'm uh, jumping gun here a, a little bit, but, and I'll start with, and I'll start with you, Ed, can you sense the irony in the most star driven league in in the country having load management and I can explain myself if you don't know what I mean. Oh, I, I get the whole load management. Uh, they actually did a 10 year study on load management and gave it to the NBA offices. And that's what pushed the league to have a player participation policy. <laughs> what major sports league has to have a policy to have your players actually play the game in which they are signed contract to. That is that is asinine to its highest degree. You know, the load management idea, it is something that did start in the 90s, and on average you would have players give up about 10 games uh, during the season. Now it's up to 24 out of 82 that's a quarter of the season. That is horrific. And I I hope I'm answering your question the way that you're wanting, David. But Matthew, let me ask you this real quick. As your family grows, if you want to take your, your family to a basketball game, are you going to have season tickets? No. Okay. So would you be willing to go to a single game? Yes. And going to a single game, you you put everything together, you build up, you know, a little fun money, you know, through life and everything that you're doing to take the family to this game and say you're going to see the Lakers and you want to see LeBron before he retires. Yeah. If that's a game that LeBron said, you know what, I need load management, you know, that to me is the biggest slap in the face of every fan that has ever lived and watched the game. Thank you, Ed. That was exactly the point that I was making. Exactly. Freaking yeah. nailed it right there. Thank you. Yeah. No, that, that, and that, I'm so glad you said that because that was going to be my next point too. And it, it's like, I don't even want to get fully started on it, but I'm just going to change sports here briefly. And for them, it's a little bit understanding. But, you know, growing up, my dad would take me to Giants games, uh, big San Francisco Giants fans. Out of every game that he took me to, 
How many of them did I get to see Barry Bonds play? Zero. Because every single time, Barry Bonds was resting that day. And it's like, here's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And of course you want to go watch him play. That is Barry freaking Bonds right there. The same thing can be said with LeBron James. Whether you like him or not, he is one of the greatest to ever touch a basketball. And you go to that game or you take your family to that game, you want to see them play. And when you don't get to see that happen or you spent money on that, uh, good money, it, it is kind of like a slap in the face. It, it, it does suck. And that's why the NBA started implementing some of these rules because they wanted to do that for the fans' sake. But it's just, to me, it, it, it sucks. It really does. It's almost like you'd want to know before you buy the tickets, is this going to be a load management game for the, for the player? And not to mention, and that's why I brought up the the idea of season tickets because if you're a season ticket holder, I'm sure you'll see your guy, mm-hmm. you know, more times than not. But if most families cannot afford to go to sporting events on a regular basis, night in, night out, or pay for season tickets and everything that goes along with it, parking, food, concession, souvenirs. All this other stuff, they can't afford it for a, a season's worth of games. So they'll usually pick one, maybe two games if they're really into it for their particular city. And mm-hmm. to and to have to make those choices of I I don't know if my guy's gonna play if the guy that I, I paid these tickets for is gonna play or not. That is just horrific. And the fact that you have to buy these tickets so far in advance for you to get a seat that is halfway decent and you can actually tell what's happening on the court, that is – i it just bugs me to no end and that it is so far removed psychologically and from reality that they would think that that's a good thing for the league. And, and, and not right. I'll let you speak, David, and I get, have another point on that. Yeah, and and not and not to mention, just think about it. How like we as fans partially contribute to the income that these players make, and this is how they repay us. Now, listen, okay, it's one thing if it's near the end of the regular season and you and you clinch your spot and you want to rest your starters because you don't want to risk injury. Okay, in that case, I get it, and I think all of us are more understanding toward that. But obviously that's not what we're that's not the main we're talking about. The fact that they're doing it, you know, in in the middle of the season and just picking all these random days to just to uh, have some uh, time off is I mean, as we've been saying Ed, it's a slap in the face. Yeah, and the other point I was going to make here is when I'm seeing these players give up a quarter of their season so they don't get hurt or overextend themselves. To me, that is just trying to extend their careers so they get more contracts, more money, more everything by not by not playing these extra games. So they think that by playing the playing, you know, 15 more games than what they're doing now, they think that they're gonna lose out on that that third, fourth, fifth contract, you know, 
and they're hoping the max contract somewhere in there. So they're, they're thinking only about themselves. They don't care about the fans. They care about what their next paycheck is going to look like and their next contract is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Me, it's like the same level of frustration I have for my fantasy football team. Like, no, you're not hurt. Rub some dirt on it. Get back out there. You're fine. You know, I, I need to win this week. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that you're resting. Go out there and play some snaps. But uh, in all serious, though, uh, yeah, it is very frustrating when uh, they you want to go to this game. You spend a lot of money to go to this game. And, well, their star player or players are, well, they're resting. They're, they're, they're tired. They didn't sleep well last night. They got a queen-size bed instead of a king-size bed. So they're going to be they're gonna be catching some R&R. But uh, you, we mentioned his name earlier and his bleak expression. But Adam Silver, you know, why do you think he's frustrated with this? Uh, we talked about it being a dud in our opinions. But do you think that's exactly why he was frustrated? I mean, it's got to be. I mean, didn't – didn't didn't ratings go up from from last year? So I mean, if you're mad about that, you're a moron. But I can totally see being frustrated by the lack of competition, at least. And that that's the key phrase there: lack of competition. When baseball does this mid-season classic, there you cannot play baseball without playing defense. You just can't. Yeah. Whereas basketball, that's a shoot around. That's not a game. That's a shoot around. But so to me, that's something that if all you're going to do is give that little attention and effort to it, why even have it in the middle of the season? Place it someplace else, Mm -hmm. whether beginning of the season to get the fans excited for the basketball season as a total or place it after the season, you know, just as a wrap up to what the season is very much like the NFL does just around the uh, Super Bowl, they'll have the all pro the pro bowl and all that stuff that goes along with that. So I'm saying you don't have to get rid of the all-star game altogether. So move it to where it is before the season or after the season, somewhat like the NFL does the pro bowl. So that way you can put it in a place where somebody will give a damn about what they're, what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in that case, then I would argue have it before the season so that you have – so that you give fans something to look forward to heading into the season, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. as a kick – as a tip-off of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know how the voting would go with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, but if – I mean, in the end, it's always the same stars in reality. So if you want to – if you to do that or you could do it from the prior year then that's that then that's fine but yeah i agree having it uh where it's not going to affect the players and their health uh just like the nfl is doing and yeah i get the nfl and the pro bowl they've kind of gone away from a lot of their uh, standards now we have flag football but i will say this they have brought a lot back when it comes to uh some of these skill competitions that we used to always watch I used to enjoy watching the skills competitions at the Pro Bowl. And in all honesty, it's one of those that you kind of watched a little bit more. Uh, but uh, flag football isn't ideal. But in the end, you are still seeing some of their top players playing it because, well, it's not going to affect their seasons because, well, their season's over. 
So I like the idea of moving it. Uh, maybe they'll listen to us one of these days. Maybe, maybe, or they'll just keep it a, a concert or a, some music video. Adam Silver, Total Sports Talk, Beyond yeah. the Lights. That's where yeah. you get your best ideas. Come on. Do you guys get the feeling that like he should be like a neurosurgeon or something like that? He doesn't look like a commissioner to me. I'm just saying. He, he looks like the guy that walks out of the OR with the clipboard in his hand and just checking off the 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 sheet for what the patient's going through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I don't see him as commissioner. I, I'm not saying you have to have a look to be a commissioner, but he, uh, he seems like a like a nerd, if anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's I mean, when. uh when uh, what what wait what happened with David Stern? Did he did he step down? He didn't. He stepped down, right? He stepped down, but he was a mob boss. That was a commissioner. <laughs> he he left, he left his mark with uh, denying the Chris Paul trade. <laughs> yeah, that's what he'll be known for the most. Yeah, most I don't think uh, super teams. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Lakers fans are ever going to uh, forgive him for that. <laughs> not not at all, but. Uh, I kind of want to hone in more on a point that we talked about earlier with uh, load management and playoff games, but more exactly on how much does the current playoff format lead uh, to reduce games played by its stars during the season. Uh, we talked about the play-in tournament, um, and, uh, but the play-in tournament going into the playoffs to determine the, the final two seeds of each conference. So you already got that. And then you have four rounds of best-of-seven play. I mean, it, it could be up to 31 playoff games on top of a 82-game season. Uh, so what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, should they have a five-game series you know, in the first round, uh, is this playing tournament a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to these players and their rest? I mean, I, I've never had any issue with the current, well, I shouldn't say current, but like, I've never had any issue with a, uh, seven game, uh, playoff format. And fr- frankly, never really seemed to be an issue until just, you know, re- recently. Ed? I, I, once again, I have to go back to uh, the historical perspective of it. Uh, there was a point where they, when they first started doing the first round, it was best of three. Mm-hmm. Then the next round was best of five. Then the next round was best of seven as the conference finals. And then you had the NBA finals. To me, I, I think what they wanted to do was ensure that the best teams got down to the final and there were no surprises in those first couple of rounds because one year you had the Kimbe Mutombo's Nuggets stop Sean Kemp and Gary Payton's Supersonics in the first round in a best of three series. That threw a big old wrench in what the NBA was expecting to be able to market for the rest of the playoffs. So they extended it out further and then they extended it out further because the more playoff games you have, the more money they make mm-hmm. because playoff games certainly make more money than regular season games. So that in itself, the fact that we are going from the possibility of three games 
in the first round to seven. And then going from five games to the possibility of seven (laughs) to seven games and seven games. That is a lot of basketball that is that is watering down the necessary the need for all these regular season games. If you're going to have that many playoff games, why have that many regular season games? Do y'all think that maybe they should scale back the regular season and well, just do that format? I, I, I think that's definitely a fair point, Ed. I mean, I've never had an issue with 82 games. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to reduce it, maybe reduce it down to 70 games. But then here's my problem with that. Oh, 70 games is too much. Okay, fine. We'll reduce it down to 65. No, 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 that's too much. Okay, fine. How about 50? No, no, no. Like that, like that's too much. And it's like, no matter how many games you have in a regular season, people are always going to complain. No, 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 no. That's too much. We need to uh, keep reducing it. To me, it's just one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of things. And I totally get your point on that. What, one of the things that I'm looking at is also when does the season start versus when does the season end? Because at this point you're seeing the season start in October and it ends in July. That is not enough recovery time, especially when you have these other international tournaments that play within that time period. And you, by the way, you have, uh, what is that? preseason, G League, you know, all these developmental time, developmental games, uh, summer league, all this stuff that has nothing to do with the regular season. So there's not enough time for these players to rest and recover, which is what they're crying about when you only have four months between the end of the start of one, the end of one season and the start of the next one. Yeah, I mean, all I got to say is hockey players ain't complaining. <laughs> yeah. David knows that. <laughs> yeah. Bas- basketball players pretend like they're hurt. Hockey players pretend like they're not hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, I, I will say there is a big difference when it comes to hockey and NBA with their level of toughness. Uh, it's just, Hockey, uh, you're not going to hear them complain at all, and they're going right into a seven-game series straight into the playoffs, which ends up becoming a big thing because, as David and I know, with the president's you know trophy, it's oh, it, it always yeah. seems like it comes down seven games every time first round. So, <laughs> and I just yeah. I, I've always liked the mentality of hockey players more than basketball players because think about it, like like whenever LeBron wins a champ wins a championship. How many times does he say we? I mean, maybe a few, but he says I, like way more. You know, like I, I, I. And then when when hockey players win the Stanley Cup, they always say we did this. We, you know, we 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 did that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's definitely some selfishness. I'll say that in in, in every sport, but uh, for the most part, they kind of try to have instilled in their head: make sure you say we, 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 <laughs> uh, like your friend. Yeah, you got Yeah, be a. Ta- oh wait, friend. Sorry, I'm such an uncultured swine. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things that David Stern really started to pick on after the Bulls championships was to that point, everything was about the shield. Everything was about the Jerry West shield or their their team shield. After that, 
you started to see it be more, we're going to promote this one player above the rest of the team. We're going to promote this one player above the rest of the game. We're going to promote this one player above the rest of the all-star game. This one player, you know, so you wound up having, you start getting these brand makers over team makers. So they're all about building themselves up in a, in a more positive brand idea versus building up the team so they can go and win championships with high quality play, not just one-on-one play. Yeah. uh, You know, I want to ask this question then to you guys uh, is, well, should the regular season schedule be reduced? I'll start with David first. I mean, I kind of already explained it before, and my my answer is no. I don't think it should be reduced because my main my, my main issue is that if you if you do reduce it, then people are going to complain. No, that's too many games. Reduce it. Okay, we reduce it. No, 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 no. Like that's that's uh that's too many games. So I think eighty two games is is uh, fine the way it is. But I will say that if I'm forced to give an answer, then I don't know, 70 games or 65. I don't think anybody's going to complain about, about 70, but for the most part, I don't, I don't see an issue with the, with the the 82 games. Yeah. I think 70 is a fair number because you're going to back off the end of the, the playoffs to where it is back into the June timeframe as opposed to extending it out and extending it out and extending it out until we have NBA basketball year round. And then load management becomes a bigger issue. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, do I think that they should be able to play uh, the 82 games in the playoffs how it is? Yes, I think they should be able to do that physically. But uh, do I think that for the better of basketball viewership and uh, for the fans, if they were to move it down to, yeah, 70 or so, I think I, I'd say yeah to that. I think uh, it, it helps mm-hmm. with, like Ed said, the time frame. Uh, but you're still never going to win with everyone. You can't always please everyone, just like I mentioned yesterday with the new college football format. You know, the 13th mm-hmm. team is still going to be pissed. So that's just that's yeah. just you're never going to please everyone, but I think 70 would be pretty fair. And it would also cut the season down time uh, down uh, a little bit more than extending. Just out of curiosity. I mean, we know that obviously load management players resting has always been a thing, but I kind of want to test you guys. Do you guys remember essentially like what player started this current trend of load management we're seeing right now? Cause like in, there's one, player that I very, very clearly remember starting all of this. If you remember him. Are you, uh, I'll let Ed guess and then give us like a hint of time. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you give me a better idea of the time frame, because the first thought I had in mind was Allen Iverson. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, obviously load management has always been a thing, but I'm talking about like with this current crop of players, we're saying, okay, the first hint I'll give you is that he's won two finals MVPs, but the first finals MVP he won when he was kind of a little unknown he, and he was a, a, a rising star. Kawhi Leonard. Play, yes, Kawhi Leonard. Bingo. 
Yeah, but my guess was going to be Allen Iverson. I was thinking you were going early two thousand. So Allen Iverson. Oh no, no, yeah, no, no, not 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 that early. But if you guys remember, like, <laughs> it was it was Kawhi Leonard who essentially started this current trend of load management that we're seeing right now. It goes back to him. Yeah, I'll say I'll say the uh, he, did he start load management? No, but do I do I think that he made it such a worse thing? Yes, I think mm-hmm. that it became such a trend of sitting out more, all because of him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but uh, our last topic here, and I think it's going to garnish uh, some good uh, back and forth here, probably between me and Ed. But uh, in season tournament that we have right now in the NBA. Should that determine a home court uh, similar to how the MLB used to do with the All-Star game with home filled in the World Series? So, um, Ed, take it away. Well, I'm so glad that you brought this up because (laughs) I absolutely hated the whole All-Star game to determine the, the home field for the World Series in the baseball form. Because there's no reason that a baseball team that wins 108 games should be the road team in the World Series if the team that they're playing didn't win 100. That's, there's no way that that should be a thing. And I feel very much the same way about this, too. Even though it's an idea to throw out there to put a little extra incentive into this in-season tournament, because Lord knows this all-star game needs to be changed all the way around. But if they're going to continue to do this in-season tournament, then maybe make that a, maybe there's the idea of making that what the MLB did with the all-star game and determining the home court for the winner of the in-season tournament. And I don't like it. I don't like it one bit because if you win more games than anybody else, then you should be first up to have home court advantage in the playoffs. Point blank, period, nothing, Nathan, nada, just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I talked, I talked about it uh, last night and I'll say it again um, since it's relevant to what we're, what we're talking about here. But I can sort of understand the mindset of of uh, having the All-Star game decide home field advantage because at the end of the day, like, oh, congrats, you won all those regular season games. Well, guess what? In the playoffs, everybody is zero and, and zero. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I had something else I w- that I want to add, but uh, Matthew, uh, I'll let you speak so that I can uh, collect my thoughts and then say what I'm going to say afterward. Yeah, and, you know, I, growing up, really enjoyed – the fact that the all-star game for MLB, the winner determined that because I, I like the competitiveness to it. You did see a little bit extra more from the players. I like, I do like seeing that more. I, I, but I also agree though with Ed's point, And I see that argument of, well, if you're, let's say you're the, the one seed and uh, you have the most wins in MLB that year, and you're going against a wild card in the, in the AL, uh, in the World Series, and yeah, you should probably have home field advantage. But I think what could be a common ground, like an agree to disagree on our points here, and this could be said for the in-season tournament, is is 
give them that incentive of, well, it can establish home court, home field advantage, uh, whatever sport you want to talk about, if you happen to have the same records going into the finals or uh, you're both the number one seed, something like that to maybe uh, establish that versus, well, let's not do that if, like I, the point I brought up of a of the one seed versus a wild card, it it should not count there. Yeah, you kind of you kind of take you kind of took the words out of my mouth, Matthew. That's essentially what I was going to uh, say next is that if you have a if you have a final series between two teams that have literally the exact same record, then I think in that case, give home court advantage to the team that plays in the conference that won the uh, the uh, in-season tournament game. The the wrinkle I got out of what you were saying, Matthew, is if they're both two seats or if they're both one seeds, yeah. whoever won the in-season tournament gets the home court advantage. Yeah, I feel like that, that would be closer. I, mm-hmm. I think that is a, a fair compromise in that idea. Yeah, the, but even like, and I agree that's a fair compromise, but like even so, a uh, two seed in the East could be different from a two seed in the in the West, right? Like a two seed in the East could have a 54 and 28 record, but then on the West, the two seed could have a 50 and 32 record, which is why, I mean, you know, not to rain, rain on your parade, Matthew, but I personally, I like my idea better that if you have two teams with, quite literally the exact same record, then determine home court advantage th- through, through that. Yeah. And, and that's still my point is either that or possibly the, the seeds, because how often do you see the same teams or the teams being the final with the same exact records? It's very slim. So what, it, how much competitiveness is that really going to give the players in the in season tournament? Not all, True. but uh, to have a one seed versus a one seed or a two seed versus a two seed, could probably happen a little bit more often than the same exact record. So that's why I was thinking, kind of toying with that idea of having that. I mean, this isn't Midland, Texas, where we're doing a, a coin, you know, toss yeah. station. So, no, that's, not, that's yeah. definitely a fair point for sure. Yeah. And for those that, that don't quite remember why they started doing that for the MLB, it's because they – there was an extra inning game played in Milwaukee that was tied after 11 innings and MLB. They went, they go through their rosters very quickly to make sure that everybody gets that experience of playing in the all-star game while they were out of pitchers. They were out of bench players. They were out of everybody and it was still tied after 11 innings. So Mm -hmm. it wound up ending in a tie but they, but the league wanted to have something tangible with the All-Star game to make sure that they don't run into a situation where they have to call a game in the middle of without a conclusion, if you will. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was the big point in how that came about in the MLB. I do like the compromise that uh, you're proposing, Matthew of having the same seeds and having the winner of the in season tournament, you know, determine who gets the home court advantage uh, with that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they were obviously a little bit more competitive because well, money uh, you saw a little bit of that in the in season tournament, but that's not always going to do it by having uh, that uh, to be the winner to possibly determine if, 
your you may have home court advantage in the NBA finals if you happen to be up against uh, you know that same seed, then that kind of gives you a little more momentum to want to try more. So I just think something like that to give them that edge of of presenting to at least try more because as fans, that's what we want to see. We want to see you give it your all in that court shoot. If you're bleeding sweat, we're 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 going even crazier now because that's just that's just how we are as fans. We love seeing that. We we don't want to see you walk up and down the court like this shoot around that happened on Sunday. <laughs> star game we want to see hustle we want to see you defending and that's why as much as you might have liked him or hate him Kobe Bryant was the definition of someone who gave it his all you know till the very end he was always 110 percent and he would not let you pass if he saw you slacking as well as a Kings fan, I despise Kobe when he was on the court because of that exact reason but as a teammate, if you were a teammate of his, you love that guy because he held you accountable. And even in the all-star game, he did that as well. So, uh, you know, you know, may God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant. Um, but he was a tremendous athlete who gave it his all every single game. And, and if you watched him, you were in for a treat. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know, that's about all we have today, folks. Uh, it just, kind of irked I think all of us with what happened this last weekend with the NBA All-Star game and it had us thinking well it needs to be tweaked uh and not just the NBA All-Star game this could be said for others uh uh NFL has you know had theirs at the end of the season uh you can't please everyone but you could change some things if you really see that you're going down a pattern. Yes, I get their viewers were up, but not by a whole lot. And they it wasn't a whole lot to start with, but it, it's just they need to do something to fix it. And this is just our opinions on what we think they could do to fix not only this all-star game, but possibly the playoffs and the structure of the, the in-season tournament and who could get home court advantage uh, for the NBA. So uh, let us know what you guys think in the comments of your proposed idea of what you think would really change for the better, not only for viewers, but for players, you know, to stay healthy and to really get that excitement for you sitting at home. You want to be at the edge of your seat because it is just that competitive because that's what we all want at the end of the day. And if that happens, Everyone will be happy. The NBA will get their views, which means more money. So, of course, they're happy. And we're getting what we paid for by watching them, whether you're at the game itself or you're pl- you're paying for cable to watch that game. You're getting your money's worth, and that's what we all want. So drop in the comments your thoughts on what you think will help that. Um, and also give us a like, subscribe, and share these videos. Let people know what we're doing here. Uh, we really appreciate that, and we're hoping to give you everything that we can and the best content out there. But till next time, guys, we are rounding third, and we are headed for home.